Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Camille White. What's even more insane as I was researching for this episode, is that researchers and manufacturers have known this for years. They've known that they provide inaccurate measurements for darker skin individuals. In this episode, we discuss the origins of pulse oximeters, medical devices that measure oxygen levels, and the unacceptable inaccuracies of readings for people with darker complexions. And we highlight Black researchers in engineering and physics, utilizing innovative technology to create equitable pulse oximetry devices. Welcome back to another episode of Distrust and Disparities. Thank you again for tuning in and showing love to the show. Let's jump into this week's episode. So I have a question for you, Camille. Prior to COVID-19, were you familiar with pulse oximetry devices? I mean, like, kind of, but I didn't understand fully, you know, what they did. I just knew it was like that little thing they clip on the finger if you're in the hospital and it was measuring doing something. But like through this episode and your research, you have thoroughly educated me on every bit of it and more. (laughs) Girl, I educated myself as well. I learned so much and I have like so many future episodes like pinged off of this episode. But Pulse oximetry devices, they have become very common. They have been used for years in clinics and hospitals, but because of COVID-19, more people are having them in their homes and they're using them regularly. Devices such as Apple Watches and Fitbits, they also use this similar technology. But we're learning that there is some built-in bias based off like your skin tone with these devices. So... During the COVID-19 pandemic, the one concrete number that doctors could use to judge how severe a case of COVID-19 was and to know whether to admit people to the hospital and or provide them with supplemental oxygen, they would use the pulse oximetry measurement. However, more and more studies are showing that pulse oximetry readings are not the most accurate for people of color, especially those with darker skin tones. What's even more insane, as I was researching for this episode, is that researchers and manufacturers have known this for years. They've known that they provide inaccurate measurements for darker skin individuals. And throughout this episode, I just kept asking myself, you know, what took so long? Why did it take a global pandemic and millions of deaths for us to look into these inaccuracies? So for this week's episode, we want to break down what is a pulse ox, how it was developed, the racial bias that is inherent and built into this technology, and just some of the consequences that COVID-19 exposed when we ignore these supposedly minute inaccuracies, when we kind of push them under the rug. So let's jump into this week's episode. 
Have you checked out our website? There you can find all of our episodes and show notes. You can even listen directly on the site and catch up on any previous episode you may have missed. You can read our bios and see what we're up to. Also, we made it even easier to contact us. Just fill out the form on our homepage and click submit. We invite you to recommend guests and topics we should feature. So what are you waiting for? Go check us out at distrustanddisparities.com. Okay, so I'm going to start off by explaining what a pulse ox symmetry device is. And you'll also hear me use the term pulse ox that we use for short in hospital settings. And even, you know, regular people, you might refer to it as a pulse ox as well. Pulse oximetry is a non-invasive test that measures the oxygen saturation level of your blood. Blood oxygen is often known as the fifth vital sign alongside body temperature, heart rate, breathing, such as your respiratory rate, and blood pressure. And a pulse oximetry or pulse ox is a clip-like device called a probe, and it's placed on a body part, such as your finger or your earlobe. And most common is like your finger. The probe uses light to measure how much oxygen is in the blood. This information helps the healthcare provider decide if a person needs extra oxygen or additional medications or, you know, treatments. Medical professionals may use pulse oximeters to monitor the health of people with conditions that affect blood oxygen levels, especially when they're in the hospital. With pulse oximetry, small beams of light pass through the blood in your finger, measuring the amount of oxygen. According to the British Lung Foundation, pulse oximeters do this by measuring changes in the light absorption in oxygenated or deoxygenated blood. An oxygen saturation level of 95% or above is considered typical for most healthy adults. A level of 92% or lower can indicate potential hypoxemia, which is a seriously low level of oxygen in the blood. Pulse ox tests are an estimation of blood oxygen levels. To get the most accurate measure of blood oxygen levels in the body, it would require a clinical blood gas test, and that has to be drawn. And that's considered the gold standard, but the blood gas test is more invasive. It requires a blood draw from an artery. And this test is pretty time consuming, depending on your hospital or where you work at. Typically, a respiratory therapist would draw this test. I used to work in a trauma unit, and I know on the ICU, nurses can draw that at the bedside, but it's a little bit more complex than your standard venous blood draw. And like I said, it matters when you draw it, where you get it from. And you have to send this test down right away to the lab and you have to send it on ice. This test, it takes a long time, but that is, you know, the most accurate way to get what your body's blood, your blood saturation is. So that's why the development of pulse ox were so important. And pulse ox readings can also be affected by various conditions such as anemia, jaundice, poor circulation, nail polish, and skin tone. And skin tone is a huge factor that should not be ignored because in order to see 
your blood, light must pass through your skin. And this should give us pause since a range of technologies based on color sensing is known to reproduce racial bias. So with this episode, that's why we wanted to explore why was the skin tone bias? Why was it being ignored? Because it's such a big factor in the results that you're going to get from these pulse ox devices. And the big question I want you guys to think about during this episode is why are we so quick to sweep these differences under the rug? These devices work for the default standard person. And who is that person? Typically, it's a white, fair-skinned individual. And most times, it's a male. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at studies, you know, that's when this medical technology is typically tested on, you know, white males. So why is this still the default here in 2023? And, you know, we want to know what is being done. But just keep those questions in the back of your head. It's the classic thing of, Something has been the default for so long because whiteness is the default, not only in this country, but across the world. And it's a situation of, you know, we aren't the first people, nor are even individuals that we're going to talk about working to address this are the first ones. Like this has been widely known for a very long time, like you said, by manufacturers, by doctors, by people who would understand the significant importance of making sure everyone was included in terms of the accuracies of this test, given the fact that like the gold standard test is invasive and it takes a while. Like you want something that could expedite a very serious question of what is someone's oxygen saturation levels? Like how are they breathing? Like what's going on? Because then if someone's oxygen levels aren't good, you need to intervene. You need to do things that could, you know, help save their lives. And it has always been happening. But then when you have a whole pandemic that is all about your respiratory system and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden people can't breathe that well. And then you're measuring them and going like, Oh, it doesn't seem that bad. Like it's, it's an issue that, Stop always thinking that just because something has been and has existed and, you know, it doesn't affect, you know, everybody, then all of a sudden people just accept it as like, it's okay when it's just like, but it affects a good majority of people. Anyone looking at it and going like, oh, it's not that terrible. Like you're existing in your whiteness probably and your white privilege and going, well, I never had a negative impact. My family didn't have a negative impact. And it's just like, but you should be looking at the rest of the population. We have all existed for a very long time together. And you need to pay attention when a huge swath of the the country is being affected by something that is just like, take us into consideration. Yeah. Acknowledge darker skinned people. Like they exist. They have always existed. They will continue to exist and they deserve good health care like everybody mm-hmm. else. And we want to look at the brief history of how pulse ox were developed and what they were used for. And that'll kind of guide us to how we got here. So the first pulse oxes were developed for the military, not for medical use. During World War II, fighter pilots were blacking out at high altitudes. So American and German scientists developed oximeters for their respective air forces. These early devices clipped onto the pilot's ears and they alerted them when they needed supplemental oxygen. Heward 
Packard HP went on to develop the ear oximeter for healthcare in the 1960s and 70s. And what's surprising is that they were pretty transparent about their focus on equity. In October 1976, HP acknowledged how oxygen readings were affected by skin and blood pigments. HP's device was also tested on 248 Black patients and could be personally calibrated to the patient's blood. Yale professor of medicine, Meyer Kroger, who tested some of the earliest models of the HP's oximeter, oximeter as a pulmonology fellow at the University of Colorado, he said that the company took the business about pigments seriously at a time when nobody was. But HP's oximeter was huge and cumbersome to use, not to mention it was expensive. It cost $13,000 in 1970. So unfortunately, it wasn't, not too many people were able to afford this device. Yeah. And thus the device was regulated to just a select few of research laboratories and it would be clinically impractical to, you know, for hospitals and medical providers to be able to afford this device. So HP ultimately discontinued its ear oximeter and stopped manufacturing the device altogether. But we see early on how they understood how skin tone affected the readings and, you know, they took action to kind of like make sure that they were getting the most accurate results and factor in how skin pigmentation would affect the device. So then in 1974, over in Japan, there were two companies that were looking to take sort of the next step in oximetry. And that was Nihon Koden and then the company Minolta. They independently were inventing devices that measured oxygen levels via the throbbing of a patient's arteries. So the first sort of, quote, pulse oximeters arrived, and both companies were filing for patents within months of each other after inventing them. And eventually, an electrical engineer at Nahon Koden won the patent race, and Taco Ayagi, they were credited with inventing what we now know as the pulse ox. So... Given, though, that we're in Japan, the device was not tested on any people of color, and that makes sense because Japan is a very homogenous country, and they have very little racial diversity in their population. So in a way, it sort of makes sense that, yeah, they're not making sure, like, over at HP, they were including 248 Black people. In Japan, in the 70s, I'm sure there weren't that many Black people there to be including even a small fraction of that number in any sort of... Um, trial or study. And this was also the first fingertip oximeter ever developed, and it used fiber optic cables sending light to and from the clip that went on your finger. This device was also very technologically advanced, but like HP's, it wasn't clinically practical. And with that, then the Japanese company, they eventually tried to market the device in the U.S. after their lack of success in Japan. 
So then a former HP electrical engineer, William New, and an anesthesiologist at Stanford University, they learned about the device and then saw its shortcomings, but also its great potential. So they learned about the Japanese device and were like, ooh, let's see what we can do. So New and two other colleagues founded the company Nelcor in 1981, and they released their own pulse ox called the N100. And the device was specifically designed to be clinically practical. I think with a lot of previous iterations, they weren't thinking about the practicality in that way. And this device with LED lighting and a flexible paper sensor, it was disposable and largely unaffected by motion. The N100 by Nelcor became widely popular and dominated the market. However, the device was not an equitable one. So it's like... I can, you know, excuses can be made and you also are, it's frustrating when it's like, why are people being left out? But it makes a little bit more sense in Japan when like their population demographic just Mm -hmm. doesn't resemble what an American one, even at that time would look like. But then you have people bringing it back over to America again and you leave out a whole group of people, a whole group of darker complexions. So the company was so focused on developing an easy to use, clinically practical pulse ox that it neglected the racial bias built into their devices. Most pulse oxes have been calibrated in light-skinned individuals alone. And a quote from one of the developers was that, and it's not enough to say that the medical community didn't know any better. They've long understood how yellow skin from jaundice, blue from sepsis, and naturally non-white skin color could lead to the skin pigmentation effect. But they thought that statistically or practically, you can neglect it. Which is just like, how do you statistically just go like, "Mm, we just won't count them. They're like, who cares? It's you're so consumed with it works on white people, light-skinned, fair people, that you literally are just like, ah, who cares about the others? Like, they'll be fine, I guess, is what you're thinking. But it's like you knew and you knew better and you chose not to because it was like, well, we just, we tested it on these individuals alone and you left it there. They chose profits over people. And we see this trend so many times over where they just quickly want to develop the technology so that they can Mm -hmm. market it and that they can get money. They saw the potential like we can come out, you know, with a smaller device and then we it'll be used like in hospitals, clinics everywhere. They were looking at the money like, you know, we made it smaller. We can get the reading, you know you know, black people, you know, are showing some inaccuracies, but you know what, whatever it works for the default person, Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting these accurate readings on, you know, who they consider the standard. So they're like, let's just move with it. Yep. And of course, despite knowing the inaccuracies and darker complexions, these pulse ox devices became an essential tool used to estimate patients' oxygen levels in clinics and hospitals and even at home. So the devices help to guide critical medical decisions, such as whether a patient needs admission to the hospital or should be provided supplemental oxygen. And then given the widespread use of pox oxes for such medical decision-making, 
It's critical that these devices work for everyone. When pulse oximeters fail to identify someone with very low oxygen levels in the hospital, that person is less likely to receive supplemental oxygen and life-saving medical treatment, which again is crazy that like they knew what could happen. Mm -hmm. They knew what was going on. And instead, like you said, it was profits over people and the default standard white person was going to be okay. So at the end of the day for them, that was good enough when it's like, this isn't some, like you said earlier, like some minute little detail, like it's causing medical professionals to think that, oh, their oxygen seems fine on someone who has a darker complexion and possibly other things going on. And then you don't do things that if you had an accurate reading, you would be like, oh my goodness, we need to step in. Like this person is not going to be okay. Cause you're even maybe sending people home going, mm-hmm. oh, they'll be fine. When in actuality, had you known the accurate reading, you would have admitted them to the hospital. Exactly. Like this is very serious inaccuracies that need to be addressed. And for the developers, they worked at HP and HP, they tested their devices on at that time, a large population of Black individuals. And they initially called out how skin pigmentation can affect the readings, but they completely skipped over this fact. And they were like, you know, we just trying to push this out. We're trying to get money. That's all that they were focusing on. You can, there's a way in like research, you can like skew the results to make it seem like it's not a big deal, especially if you don't include that many darker skinned individuals in your study, it'll look like, oh, these are just outliers, but Mm -hmm. the majority of people it's reading correctly. So let's push. And you may be wondering how does skin tone affect pulse ox readings? Um, So pulse ox devices have been proven to be less accurate on dark skin populations because of one melanin. And melanin is the chemical which gives us skin pigmentation and it also interferes with light, which is the main component that's used in these pulse ox devices. And the amount of melanin that you have, it affects how light is transmitted through the pulse ox device. This basically means that darker skinned individuals can exhibit normal pulse ox readings, but may be suffering from hypoxemia or other critical conditions. So basically the pulse ox, they see the darker pigmentation and they read it as, you know, this person has a lot more oxygen in their blood, which, you know, research that we're going to get into proved this is the opposite. And with this inaccuracy, there's a risk of what is called occult hypoxemia. Um, And this is where the device says that oxygen levels are fine, but the patient's actual saturations are dangerously low. So studies dating back to 1990 and 2005 and 2007 raise concerns that pulse oximeters may be less accurate in individuals with darker pigmented skin. So we have the evidence. I mean, they knew from the jump, but now we got, you know, research studies that Mm -hmm. say this. As early as the 1990s, there was research that highlighted the inaccuracies in the measurements, but there was no record that the problem was ever fully fixed. 
So I want to take a look at the 2005 and 2007 study. In 2005, a team of physicians from the University of California, San Francisco, studied oximeters, racial bias, and critical details. And they are experts in their field, and they even quoted in the study, in our 18 years of testing pulse oximetry accuracy, the majority of our subjects have been light skin. So they've acknowledged that, you know, for several years, that's who's been their standard target. But after hearing about a range of unacceptable errors in pulse oximetry among black wearers, they wanted to test if there is a correlation with skin colors. Errors with pulse ox devices typically do not show up at healthy oxygen levels, which is above 95%. Most errors in readings occur when oxygen readings are below 95 or 92%. With oxygen readings, it's really important to have accurate measurements because typically that is when you will see an individual in a health crisis and When an individual is in a health crisis, say they're struggling to breathe, having that accurate measurement will dictate what the next steps are going to be. So the researchers collected readings from a range of people using several pulse ox models, and then they checked their readings against the arterial blood gas test, which we said before is that gold standard. That's that invasive blood draw. They cross-checked those two measurements, the pulse ox reading to the lab draw, and the team found a clear pattern of errors. So I just want to summarize some of the results that they found. For non-white individuals, the machines mostly tended to overestimate the oxygen saturation levels by several points. Racial errors grew significant at lower oxygen levels, starting around 90% and growing the widest in the 70s. The UCSF doctors and researchers noticed a bias of up to 8% in individuals with darkly pigmented skin. Errors that may be quite significant under certain conditions. So in a health crisis, this 8% bias is really significant. So for example, for a darker pigmented person, a reading of 77% on the pulse ox device could hide a true saturation as low as 69. And that's an even greater medical crisis. Say this darker individual is being picked up by an EMT or they're being triaged by a nurse, they may see, you know, that reading and it's like, okay, we need to act fast, but it could be even lower and they need to say it could be the difference from, you know, applying a nasal cannula versus to immediately we need to intubate this person. We need to do, you know, further tests. So minor what, you know, the developers considered like minor inaccuracies are actually really huge problems. Yeah, that's a big deal. Giving them a face mask with oxygen, even the little, you know, nose strip thing that I'm thinking of that tube is a huge difference instead of them 
putting something all the way down someone's throat to then make sure that they're getting the oxygen that they need. That is a huge difference. And if you're not acting quick enough in those situations, like you would know, then it's like someone could live or die potentially if they're not getting the oxygen. Like we need oxygen to live, to breathe, to make sure our organs are functioning properly. And like the fact that like, again, the people who developed it, like were slightly aware, not even slightly aware, they were fully aware and just were like, oh, it's fine. And it's just like, this, this is what you were like, this is fine. Oh, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. People's lives aren't that big of a deal. It's like certain people's lives aren't that big of a deal. That's what you don't really want to say, that you value white lives over pretty much everybody else's. Exactly. And I'm so glad that you get this correlation, like how it's explained, like the importance. These studies came out in 2005 and 2007. It's like, why wasn't there no urgency to change these results? Because like you said, oxygen is important. It's important for our vital functions. So not giving the person the right amount of oxygen and the right delivery method, you know, could be the difference between life and death. Or, you know, say the person survives, they're being undertreated with oxygen, but they could later on down the line, they're noticing some damage to their kidneys, you Mm -hmm. know, damage to, you know, other organs that were affected because we were under treating them with oxygen. And it's just frustrating. Like they know (laughs) that this is like clear bias and, you know, nothing is being put out. Like textbooks aren't, you know, being changed. This information is, you know, being put in. Like being dark skinned myself, I understand. Say you take a picture you know, everybody, if everybody's lighter than me, they may look good and you may not see me or something like that. Mm. So it needs to be tailored, but you may automatically assume like, oh, people will know like, oh, light is absorbed, but this needs to be broken down for people so that they can, you know, recognize that we can't just rely on what the pulse ox reading. We need to, you know, look at other clinical perceptions, like, mm-hmm. you know, listen, listening to their lungs. Are they labored, breathing when they're talking? You know, we have to go deeper than what this reading is saying. But if sometimes if people aren't taught this, you know, they quickly sweep it under the rug. But it, this is, you know, very important that we are educating people on this. So basically, the study showed that there's going to be the greatest inaccuracies in darker skin tones. And then it goes down a little bit. If you're a medium skin tone, the inaccuracies kind of decrease. And, you know, the least inaccuracies were in lighter pigmented individuals. But the racial errors, they were significant at oxygen levels below 70%. Also with this research, it is clearly shown that these devices have clear discrepancies between lighter and darker skinned patients. And with all of this, these multiple researches and studies and people being well aware, FDA guidance for approving pulse oximeter says clinical trials should include at least two darkly pigmented people or 15% of the subject pool, whichever is larger. And the fact that the whatever is larger in two people would be larger than 15% is like, who is who is the subject pool, one? You clearly are including just a handful of people. 
And the fact that you would only include two darkly pigmented people when we are screaming that it's all darkly pigmented people that are being like so negatively impacted. You should be making it where the majority of your study is on darkly pigmented people. That that's who you focus on because that is who is suffering. That is literally people who are dying, who are not getting the medical interventions, who are like you said, are being undertreated for things. So this can still obscure errors due to racial bias because you're allowing those few participants data points to be cast as sort of, outer clusters in white-centric safety standards. Most pulse oximeters have probably been calibrated using light-skinned individuals with the assumption that skin pigment does not matter. And it does. It, a million times over, it does. That is a known fact. Anyone yes. stating otherwise, anyone going, I'm colorblind, you are the problem. You are the problem. You are the problem. You yes. are the problem. Yes. Like the research is telling us it matters. It matters a lot. But the FDA is saying, oh, it doesn't matter because they want to make money. They want these devices out. They want to produce more. So they're just letting it pass. Like we said, HP, they had 248 Black people. That was a lot. And the FDA is like, oh, you just need a minimum of two or 15%. And also this stuff is highly subjective. Like if you go to the India, what's considered dark there might still be considered like medium. Like you go to the continent of Africa or just right here in the U.S. where we're at. Like skin tones, what we consider dark is so subjective. So I'm just, I'm curious, like you got two, two, you know, black individuals or darkly pigmented individuals. Who knows what they look like? You know, they could be looking like, was it, um, I was going to say, young Michael Jackson or was it dark Michael Jackson? <laughs> you know? Yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> that is a good thing. And then also, too, it's like, Michael Jackson isn't even that dark. What, what he started out as isn't even that dark. Right. So, again, it's just like, yes, right. <laughs> like, the younger Michael Jackson should have been included. And then it's just like, and then go so many shade complexions deeper than that go so much deeper than that and again it's like the simple thing too of making sure you're including black people other people of color that understand darker pigmentation that know what their community members look like and be like you missing a many of shades in here we need to go find them we need to put out a call for them but it's it's that is so subjective and there's not specification. And it's just like, y'all can easily always include light people. And we were talking about it too. Of like, I think it's like foundation shade ranges where you see like a plethora mm-hmm. of light skin, white people, light people. And then you see a good chunk of like medium tones. And then you get to the darker tones and they're an afterthought. And this is exactly what it is. They're an afterthought mm-hmm. and they're just going, include two. Include two of who? And two is never going to be enough to fully represent you know, people who have always existed. And like I said before, deserve quality health care. This is life or death we're talking mm-hmm. about where we're, they're not getting the oxygen that they need to live and survive and thrive. The FDA is just being raggedy. Yet again, the government failing us. But, yeah. you know, that's not a shocker. Exactly. It's just like at every level, like in the device development, how they're just trying to push it through to the FDA. Even say 
you're a part of a research study where, say, there aren't people who care about skin tone. They don't care about racial inequalities. They'd be like, oh, this is fine. They could, you know, bring, you know, a fair skin African-American be like, oh, we have, you know, a African-American person here. We have somebody here. So it's like this stuff is very important, but it you see how it can be quickly swept under mm-hmm. the rug. We knew this from when the devices were being developed in the 1970s and the 1990s. But here we are, COVID-19. COVID-19, you know, revealed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still it's still revealing things. But, you know, are we going to actually listen to it? So another example of like sort of uh, an anecdote from a doctor can really display and show like what we're talking about when it comes to the inaccuracies of pulse oximeters. So there was an article from NPR and talking to Dr. Sandra Luby Gordon, and she witnessed firsthand how pulse oximeter discrepancies could affect her own family. So Dr. Luby Gordon is a physician at Boston Medical Center And she found herself on the phone with a triage nurse at a Florida hospital. And it was over her son who was at that hospital who was very sick with COVID-19 and he needed to be admitted to the hospital. And here she is all the way up in Boston trying to make sure that they are taking care of her child. And she quote says, well, yeah, he was looking pretty short of breath. And she remembers the nurse saying that, but like his oxygen levels are good. And it's just like that already to me, common sense is like, if someone is struggling, I don't care what the reading is. You need to go do something else. You need to go do some more tests. So the nurse was basing that statement off of the reading from the pulse ox clipped to his finger. And, you know, the doctor, uh, she was just like, that doesn't, something's off. Something don't seem right. So she got off the phone with the nurse and spoke with Mm -hmm. other doctors at her medical center And one of them had to remind her that, like, there's research that shows that pulse oxes tend to be inaccurate with people with dark skin tones. And she is quoted as saying, on top of that, my son is, this sounds strange, but very dark, very dark complexion. Which, again, it's just like she had an epiphany moment where, like, one of her colleagues had to remind her, like, girl, you know that there's discrepancies in darker. And she's like oh my goodness, my son is dark. Like, of course there's discrepancies then. So sure Mm -hmm. enough, later when her son was given a more invasive test for measuring blood, when we talked about the gold standard, it showed his oxygen levels were actually dangerously low. He was admitted to the hospital and treated and luckily ultimately recovered from COVID-19. But Dr. Luby Gordon says most patients in their situation wouldn't know about the shortcomings of the pulse ox. And even as a black physician herself, she says she wasn't fully aware of how the device could be so misleading, which is again, like you said, it needs to be taught. It needs to be put in textbooks. We need to thoroughly Mm -hmm. let people know at all levels, whether you're new to learning about medicine and you're getting into the field or you've been there for decades, that this is not something that you should rely on in telling you whether or not someone has the the correct oxygen levels. Because if she wasn't fighting for that and going, you need to give him more tests, he might've been sent home and he might've died from COVID. And that's so Mm -hmm. scary because like she's pointing out, most people don't 
know about those shortcomings. And this is a, a prime example of like why we want to discuss this stuff on the podcast so people can be better advocates for themselves. It's just thinking back and just retrospective, say you're working in the emergency department, you're triaging people and the pulse ox is saying that they're fine. But the person's like, I really can't breathe. I'm struggling to breathe, but we're prioritizing like other people. But in actuality, these individuals are suffering and it's just like so much needs to be reworked and redesigned to factor in different things to double check those results. Just so many people who maybe, you know, went to the doctor's office and they're like, oh, your pulse ox is fine, who were sent away. And then their breathing got so much worse when they got to the emergency department, when people finally decided to act, it was too late. It's just very, just sad, just thinking about like how many lives were lost or, you know, there's this thing called like long COVID and, you know, how people are having like results and symptoms. It's like maybe people were being undertreated and things like that. So this is causing, you know, organ damage that we didn't recognize or other factors because maybe we weren't, you know, treating people correctly. So it's just a lot of things come to mind. And we use pulse ox for so many things, like everything in the hospital, a pulse ox is always attached to someone's finger or earlobe. I'm just thinking, I'm just like, something needs to be done. (laughs) Something needs to be done. And COVID-19, it really highlighted these devastating consequences. So Studies show, like some studies looking at COVID-19, it showed that Black COVID-19 patients have been 29% less likely to receive supplemental oxygen on time and three times as likely to suffer from occult hypoxemia during the pandemic. Additionally, there were significant delays or unrecognized eligibility for COVID-19 therapies, especially among Black and Hispanic patients. And throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, people of color have experienced higher rates of hospitalization and death from COVID-19 compared to white people. The alarm over the discrepancies between lighter and darker skin patients was again raised in a letter from the New England Journal of Medicine in 2020. They related the findings of a study from the physicians of the University of Michigan Medical School. In two large cohorts, Black patients had nearly three times the frequency of occult hypoxemia that was not detected by the pulse ox compared to white patients. And the authors of the study, they wrote, given the widespread use of pulse ox devices for medical decision-making, these findings have some major implications, especially during the current coronavirus pandemic. They said, our results suggest that the reliance on pulse oximetry to triage patients and adjust supplemental oxygen levels may place Black patients at increased risk for hypoxemia. So even more research, the medical community is raising alarms that something needs to be done. Something needs to be changed. And with all of this being, you know, 
stated out loud, written down, put in medical journals, like study after study after study. In February 2021, the FDA issued a warning finally that skin pigmentation and other factors could impact pulse oximeter readings. And then more than a year and a half after that report, the FDA said that it is continuing its investigation into the device's accuracy and performance, particularly among people of color. And a spokesperson said that the issues involving Paul Soxes are complex and the agency is working to improve pre-market evaluation strategies and equitable device performance. It's a bunch of lip service is all I'm getting from that. You've had study after study after study. All you have to do is go read said studies. You just have to make sure those studies are peer reviewed. But even the people who were conducting the studies, like the one person said for 18 years, they were just looking at light skinned people. From that alone, like, okay, if you want another study, make it a study of all black people. And I'm talking about all dark-skinned black people. Don't even include my little light-skinned ass. I'm not the one that would significantly suffer from this. Y'all have been looking over and just completely ignoring people, and they have been dying and not getting the right treatment because of this. And the FDA comes out with just this nonsense when it's just like, you are a government agency. You are the... U.S. Food and Drug Administration, you have the power to put in place a concrete law, rule, whatever you want to call it, that says, hey, from now on, your device that is going to be on the market in regular use and rotation in clinics, in hospitals, wherever, at home, needs to be able to read accurately the oxygen levels of everybody, not not just a few select people, of everyone, but them going like, oh yeah, it's a complex issue and we're going to look into it and we'll get back to you. What, after more people die and y'all continue not to do anything? And it's frustrating because the researchers, they suggest like the FDA, they look at the devices that they have on market and look at how many darker skinned individuals they have tested on. And they can look at those devices and the ones that have tested it on, say, a larger population of darker skinned individuals, their device will most likely be a little bit more equitable compared to those who don't. So it's like you could, you know, kind of limit and just kind of, you know, force the other companies, you know, your next model, it needs to be tested on more individuals or we're not going to let you pass Mm -hmm. through with this patent. There's things that they can actively and concretely do. And then there's also education pieces that FDA can put out that there needs to be training, pamphlets on these devices, like all the time as healthcare professionals, we have to do those health streams, those education. So educating people like, hey, this is an issue, you know, how to correctly use your pulse ox device, also to not rely 100% on the pulse ox device, making sure you're looking at, you know, skin complexion, other changes, lung sounds, their labor of breathing, if they're using like accessory muscles, other clinical assessments in addition to the pulse ox. And then also if you have to do further testing. So there's other things to do, but saying, oh, it's so complex, we're working on it. Like you said, it's just, you know, lip service you know it's just like oh we're doing what we can we're doing this but it's like Mm -hmm. you're not doing enough not too many people are talking about this it's not this is urgent like I just hate we went through a global pandemic and we're downplaying the number of people that died and 
you know, we don't want to overhaul the system. It's just this, let's get back to where we were, but it's not working. We're paying so much money for healthcare, for insurance, and it's just crap. It could be better, but at the end of the day, all they care about is making a profit. Mm -hmm. So it's just disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Mm. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. If you are enjoying this episode, you should consider buying us a coffee. Yes, a coffee. That small gesture will help us continue to create quality episodes and content. Click the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes or check out our website at distrustanddisparities.com. As you all can hear, people are frustrated, including, of course, myself and Jasmine, with the FDA's response or lack thereof. And researchers have seen the need for a more equitable device. So for our feature this episode, we wanted to highlight individuals that are working to design a more efficient and equitable pulse oximetry meter. There's plenty of people in this sort of work that see the need, see the urgency in it. And we wanted to pull out like three people. So Valencia Coomson She is an associate professor of electrical and computer engineering at Tufts University, and she is currently working on technology to update what is like the current pulse ox device on the market to measure skin tone. So if someone has a darker skin complexion, the pulse ox would emit more light. So she's sort of working with what already exists to see if that can be updated. And she is quoted as saying, we know that if you have a federal guideline that says a device has to be tested on a minimum of 10 people, or at least 15% have to be of dark skin pigmentation, that opens the door for a lot of loopholes because dark is very subjective, like we pointed out before. And also that subjectivity is going to affect the kind of product that you put out. Because when you, you put out sort of a requirement that is so vague like that, you're just continuing to do more harm. You're not actually making sure Mm -hmm. the correct changes are being made to actually help people that you're claiming that you're, you're trying to make the changes for. And then another uh, professor, Kamani Toussaint, is a professor of engineering and a senior associate engineering dean at Brown University. And he's just working on a completely alternative to the pulse ox. So instead of trying to calibrate the same infrared technology on a diverse population, Toussaint is focusing on an entirely different property of light. He is investigating how light's electromagnetic waves interact and behave with matter such as body tissues, the skin pigment, melanin, and blood. So in people with dark skin, that high level of melanin scattering can interfere with oxygen readings. So Toussaint is looking to reduce the interference caused by the surface of the skin by using radically polarized light. So light beams that produce a diversity of electric field directions that vary depending on the spatial position of the beam. So he over there doing a lot of science stuff. I don't fully understand it, but this is his area of expertise and light. He understands light and how it responds to the skin, the body tissues, and is working in that field, trying to come up with a completely different device that would provide accurate readings for people with darker complexion. And alongside him working with Toussaint is a black physics PhD student also at Brown, Rutundu 
Jakashira. And all the people we have named are all Black people, <laughs> of course, that are working to make sure that their community members are getting accurate readings. And the two of them together have demonstrated in experiments what they believe to be the first LED-based light source that can emit radically polarized light. And finally, we just want to end on a quote from Toussaint where he said, quote, the pulse oximeter has become the poster child of health inequity, in part because of the pandemic. It really highlights the need for diversity at all stages of technology development, from the nascent stages of coming up with a design to how these things are tested, vetted, and distributed. And luckily, you know, we have these people working on this and hopefully we can see something soon that can be put out into hospitals and clinics. But this is this is not something minor. This is this is life or death for people. This is you're getting admitted to the hospital or you're not. This is you're getting the proper treatment or you're being undertreated. And that can result in death. That can result in long term down the line issues that crop up later on. This is important. It's very important. And I want healthcare professionals to, you know, push for things at their hospital, for changes to be made. If you are at the top of the chain, you know, making sure you have the most equitable pulse ox available, uh, making sure you're educating individuals how skin pigmentation can affect readings in medical school, educating students, educating yourself on this information. You know, so much can be done because it's going to take a while for these devices to come to market. So until then, you know, there are things that we can do to make sure that we are treating people properly. Like, this is critical. Like, I just want to ring the alarm. Like, we need to do something. Something (laughs) needs to be done. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. let's fix it, you know, or just some checks and balances in place to make sure that we are not leaving people out that they're getting the appropriate treatment that they need. You know, that's my, my only hope, you know, because, you know, what's safe for one person is not safe for all. So that quote that you read was perfect. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at Distrust Pod. 